Hello, and welcome to the Diary of an Age Grouper podcast. My name is Jamie Edwards, and I'm a full-time professional endurance coach, age group triathlete, and triathlon fan. The Diary of an Age Grouper podcast is all about content relevant to age groupers. We'll talk to athletes, coaches, and experts who walk the walk. world champion. In this episode, we speak to French age grouper and Sophie Pierre, who recently won the 70.3 world championships in Lauti, Finland. And Sophie won the 18 to 24 age group by 11 minutes and in the process was the first female age grouper across the line in a time of four hours and 22 minutes. We talked to her about her training block leading into the race and the race itself. This is the diary of an age grouper. Anne, thanks for joining us. How does it feel to be a world champion? Feels pretty good. Feels pretty surreal. Um, I still can't quite believe it, but yeah, very, very cool. Was was that the goal going into the race or was it more a process-driven goal? Did you know you were going to be a contender for the World Championships? I think if I had like the perfect day, I thought maybe I could be a contender, but I never convinced myself of it. I never let myself believe that that's what I was going to be able to do and like that was something I wanted. I think... I told myself, if I do the race that I want and if I have a perfect day, then why not? But also just, I didn't try to, I didn't think about it too much. I just try to stay in my zone and do what I thought I knew how to do and just do what I do in training and maybe a bit more. But yeah, I never let myself believe that that's what, that was going to happen. Yeah, that makes sense. And have you raced a world championships before? And if so, where was that one? So unfortunately not. I was qualified in St. George in Utah last year. Unfortunately, um, I had a major bike accident. I broke um, three vertebrae. So I felt like I had a bike accident with another girl in France and she a bit like ran into me and I flew into a barrier and over the barrier into like train tracks five meters below. So it was a bit um, traumatizing. Yeah. So that was my year last year. So I didn't actually race that much. I didn't do that much. I just had like a year off. Um, So I decided not to do the world championships, like not because I wasn't ready. Um, And yeah, so this year has kind of been my, my breakthrough year where I've been able to do everything I wanted. Yeah. And which race did you qualify for the 2023 world championships? So I qualified in Aix-en-Provence. It's in the south of France. And um, yeah, that was like the major goal going into the race. And also that was like the same time I wanted my pro license. So in France, to get your pro license, you have to be um, whatever the winner's time is, you add 8% of their time. And if you're in that barrier and in the top 15 girls, you should get your pro license. So my two major goals for that race were pro license and um, world qualification. So I'm happy to say I got both. So that was very good. Ah, nice. Congratulations. So when are you going to start racing in the professional field? That's something for next year? Yeah, so that um, the World Champs were my last race as an amateur. So I decided I wanted to have the experience of a World Championship and not rush myself into the pro field too quickly. 
Um, I think because I had a year off last year, I don't actually have that much experience at the 70.3 distance. And I didn't want like my fifth 70.3 to be a pro race. So I decided that this year was going to, I was going to stay in the age group fields and then move on to pro. But at the end of this year, so I haven't actually announced this yet, I will be doing my first pro race in a challenge race. So that should be very exciting. Oh, that is exciting. And we've got an exclusive, which is cool. <laughs> yeah, good. exactly. So you finished in four hours and 22 minutes. That's quite quick. Is that a personal best for you or have you gone faster before? Yeah, so that is my personal best. I will say the bike course is the fastest I've ever done, though. Um, I usually pick quite hilly races, being quite a small person. Um, I, cho- I choose to do hilly races just because in terms of watts, it's a bit more interesting for me. But I actually thought I did like the 11th best bike, t- bike time with the pros. So maybe I'm thinking maybe I'm not as bad as I think on the flat <laughs> um, and on a faster bike, faster bike course. So, yeah, I really, really enjoyed that bike course. And I think that's why the times are also so quick. I think Taylor Nib went like sub a lot, sub four hours. So Yeah, she did. It It did look pretty fast. We'll talk a little bit more about the the course itself and uh, and also your strengths and weaknesses. Did you enjoy Finland as a race location? We were just talking yes. before we started recording and you've obviously traveled the world quite a bit. Um, did, you in, yeah. did you enjoy Finland? Yeah, I really, really enjoyed Finland. I thought the people were so funny. Honestly, I didn't think that of Finland. But there was like so many jokes everywhere, like honestly, and everyone was so friendly and so funny. And um, yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, I My homestay was really fun because she she was always using these Finnish expressions, but translating to English, I never knew what she was talking about. I think one of the first things she said to me was, um, oh, are you ready to race? And I was like, yes. And she's like, I hope the wind is with you. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> And it was so it was like a really, really good time. And I think it's such a beautiful country. Um, the forests are really nice for training. The temperature was so good. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. That sounds really good. I've, I've heard lots of good things and people liking the course and just like the, the locals really got behind the event, all those sorts of things. So it sounds like you've had a very similar positive experience, which always makes it good fun. Yeah, and I was lucky enough to stay in Lati. Like, I think a lot of people didn't get accommodation, which was obviously the biggest problem with this race. Um, I was quite lucky to be in Lati itself. So I think I got more of, like, the race experience and stuff like that um, because there was just, like, really, really good vibes. And, yeah, the, as you said, like, the people really got behind it. People were really enthusiastic. Like, the locals, um, even in my building, were actually saying, like, oh, if you need anything, I'm on like this floor, you can just knock at my door. Like so friendly, right? Um, I mean, that wouldn't really happen anywhere else, I feel. And um, it was actually really funny because I was next door to Lionel Sanders and Telbot, which is another. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, that would, that that would was really cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I got back. Like sometimes I would just go up to the apartment and take up the elevator and there'd just be like Lionel coming out of the elevator. I was like, oh, hi. <laughs> <laughs> So that That's was cool. very cool. Did you talk to him yeah, yeah. much? Yeah, I talked to him. I think he was a bit in, in like his race zone. Um, Obviously, what happened during the, his race, I didn't talk to him afterwards because I just thought he probably wanted to stay in his bubble. But I talked to Telbot quite a lot and such such a nice guy. Yeah, oh, that's cool. Yeah. All right, well, today I'm keen to talk all things Finland, the 70.3 World Championships, including your training and the race itself. 
But before we get yeah. into that, can you tell us a little bit about your background in the sport, including your training, your racing, how and why you got started in the sport and any other info that you think is relevant, just so we have a bit of background and context before we get into yeah, the details so of the race? I am actually someone who got into triathlon really quite late. Um, so I'm 23 now and I got into triathlon, I was like 19 at uni in England. Um, so I kind of just started running because it was like ex- exam season and I I wanted to get outside and do something and I've always been someone who's done like a thousand sports so I actually came from gymnastics before triathlon and then I stopped that when I went to uni and I went into running so I really liked running and my godfather told me like oh like you know if you're doing running like you should do triathlon it's a lot more balanced blah 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 and so I got into the tri club at uni and I loved it like the people were so kind they were so much fun and I loved this aspect of doing different training every day, not having just one repetitive sport every day. So I had a lot of fun. And then COVID hits um, and I left uni. So I went back to France and I decided like, actually, why don't I just do my third year of uni online and join a French triathlon club and see how it goes? Because I really liked it. And so I kind of did that. (laughs) Everyone thought I was crazy because I had only been doing triathlon for like a year and I had never even raced because it was COVID, but I loved it. And the first, so I joined this club in France. It's very famous. It's called Poissy Triathlon. So it's in the north of France. And I really liked it. And everyone was really nice. And uh, basically they had a race like maybe a week after I had joined that club. Um, This uh, triathlon in Do. Ville, so in the north of France and it was I was like oh, I don't know like I've never done a triathlon before I don't even know how to do a transition um, this was back in 2020 and they were like oh just do it you'll have fun like it'll be a good first experience like whatever so I go and I end up winning the race um, which was a bit of a shock to me because I had as I said never done a triathlon before so I was just looking at everyone in transition and how to even do a transition and stuff so that was really funny and uh, yeah so when I won the race I even got more hooked I was like oh this is so much fun Uh, and I basically never stopped and I just was like well I want to go professional I want to do this and this and this and a lot of people in that club were like oh like you started too late you'll never be professional whatever and I kind of got annoyed with that mentality because I come from an area where everyone's always very positive and enthusiastic and being told that I wouldn't make it or I wouldn't be good enough kind of threw me off so I decided to move um, near Nice uh, and just continue surround myself with good people unfortunately I had that bike accident in Nice so it was a bit of a hectic year where I didn't actually do anything that I wanted so I moved away to the mountains isolated myself trained like hell and had the best year of my life. So yeah, determination, perseverance, and, and not listening to people telling me I can't. Um, we talked about this before we started recording, but you're obviously French, live in France, mm-hmm. race for, mm-hmm. race as a, a French national, but you said you went to university in England and you mentioned yes. you've traveled around a lot. You've, you've, uh, you clearly speak good English and you've maybe got a <laughs> hint of a slight American accent. Could you just give yeah. everyone listening a little bit of a background on, on that side of things? So I think it's really interesting. Yeah, so um, I was born in the States. So my dad was actually going to uni there. So I was born in the States. And then 
um, we moved around with my family quite a lot for my dad's job. Well, actually, he likes changing jobs and going after opportunities. So um, I moved around a lot with my family. So we lived in Germany for six years. So I actually used to speak fluent German, which I'm really sad that I don't speak anymore. But my siblings speak German still. And then I moved to China for 10 years of my life. So I went to the major cities, Shanghai, Beijing and Guangzhou. So I lived there and went to international school which is probably why there's a bit of an American accent because the teachers tended to be American. And when you learn English with an American teacher, you just tend to pick up their accent. Um, yep. And then I live. So, yes, yeah, so I went to school there. Everything was in English. I actually never had French classes in my life. I only spoke French to my parents. So for a long time, I didn't really speak French all that well. Um, and I still don't like in terms of grammar of like French grammar and stuff. So complicated. <laughs> and then I moved to England for uni, yeah, for in York, so in the north of England for, yeah, two, so I went, no, I actually did my, like, my last two years of high school there, and then my first two years of uni, so, yeah, four years in England before moving back to France. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's, that in itself is a cool story, but mm. <clears throat> let's, let's keep it to triathlon talk and more specifically your race in Finland. So you qualified at the race in France and the goal for the race was obviously to do as well as you can, but you kind of knew that you may be there or thereabouts in terms of being able to win your age group. And in the end, you're able to do that and also be the fastest female age grouper overall. So can yeah. you talk to us about how you set up your training in the lead up to the event? Obviously last year, you didn't do much training or racing because of the accident, but how long did you allocate for training for this race and maybe get into what you know, training weeks look like in terms of swim, bike and run volume hours yeah. per week. Do you set a, do you yeah. have a set st structure and routine that you typically follow all those sorts of things? Yeah, yeah, I definitely do. So my boyfriend is my coach and he's a triathlon coach. So it works really well for us. Um, so basically the goal at the beginning of the year was to get as much experience on the 70.3 distance as possible. And I kind of knew where I stood because I had done four races and they were all very, very consistent. I basically swam, biked, and I actually had two races at four hours, 29 in like pretty much the same second. So I had to like basically duplicate races in Switzerland and in France. And for this block, so I knew where I stood, but I knew I had to like be a bit faster for the world champs. And so I had two months where I basically dedicated two whole training blocks for Lati. Um, and that consisted of pretty much 19 kilometers of swimming, 10 and a half hours of cycling. So not that much because that was my strong suit. And also I wanted to focus more on the swim and the run. And, and also the bike. Um, I find that when I cycle on the home trainer and do all my key sessions on the home trainer, I'm a much better cyclist. So also the, the volume of the bike kind of went down because I just, my key sessions were always home trainer based. So they were all obviously a lot shorter um, in time than if I would cycle like outside just because of like the um, sweat rate and all that stuff. And also it's a lot more um, like when you're outside, you kind of pedal a lot less. Like I feel like it's so much more qualitative to cycle, like to do key sessions on the home trainer. Yeah, more and time then, efficient. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Not even more time efficient, but I think it's just more like you're pedaling nonstop for X amount of time. And mm -hmm. that's what was going to be in Lati. So it was a lot, also a lot more specific, like race specific, because Lati, the race was basically like two hours and 15 minutes of um, TT position, nonstop pedaling. 
which basically you do in the home trainer you're in two hours tt position non-stop pedaling which mm -hmm. outside it's not really like that you stop at a stop sign you you know you turn you stop pedaling you like you're free riding you know what i mean yeah yeah um, makes sense for sure yep yeah so also we decided to do that because it was a lot more race specific and then in term and for the running i had about i think almost 70k of running per week um, which represents about five and a half hours, I believe. So overall, it was about 10, uh, 20 to 23 hours. So not that much. We actually, the volume wasn't like crazy high, but there was a lot of qualitative work. Yeah. Okay. So about a two month block. Yeah. And you're looking at, yeah, 20 to 23 hours average. You mentioned the yeah. biking and biking on the trainer and that being specific mm -hmm. for the demands yeah. of the course, was there anything else that you, that you did that was specific for the course? And did you spend time looking at the details of the course, the bike course, the run course, the temperature? Have you raced on a yeah. course like this in the past? So no, I've, I've never done a course like this, which actually I think a lot of people were surprised by the bike course. It was announced to be a lot flatter than it was. Um, actually it was like pretty much rolling hills the whole way. So it was very tiring but because you had to keep putting like a lot of watts on the uphill to maintain your speed and then just be aero and also um so yeah I think the home trainer definitely helped me like because in the home trainer you always you always have to keep pedaling putting watts um you never really stop pedaling and I think that's I think it helped me a lot being muscularly strong on the bike and also being able to hold a TT position non-stop for that long was definitely not something I'd done um, the races I did in France and in Switzerland, you always had like a four or five kilometer hill where you're not in TT position. And obviously then you get a break on the other side. So this was definitely very different. And then in the run course, it was also quite hilly. And where I live in the mountains in France, uh, it's very hilly as well. So I thought I got, I was very specific also with the run course. I tried to make my sessions hilly so I wouldn't, I don't know. I would know kind of what speed I could run at on a course. That's a bit, that's not flat basically. Yeah. That makes sense. Did you do any strength training? No. Um, so I, I don't do any strength and conditioning work. I, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. I'm not someone who gets injured so very easily. Well, I've never I've actually been injured and um, I go to see like a physio quite a lot. So he, she keeps me in check, but yeah, I don't actually do much. Um, yeah. I think my, my partner, my coach, he does quite a bit cause he gets injured all the time, but I'm someone who's like very muscular, like naturally muscular. So yeah, I don't really do much, but I don't know if that's a bad thing or not. <laughs> that could be the gymnastics background helping you and holding some of that strength. Yeah, well, maybe. Yeah, 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 probably. Um, yeah, for for now, I'm actually doing this like really cool um, whole body like check experience thing where he tells you like all your weaknesses, all your imbalances, all like potential injuries that could come to life. And he's like a great physio here um, in France. Uh, basically, he takes care of like the football teams and stuff. And he actually accepted to take us on me and my coach so very very cool experience next week to see like maybe potential injuries that could come about that I can prevent yeah that'll be interesting and mm. see if that's you know he makes any suggestions that potentially you would change your approach into the future 
Yeah, exactly. Now you've mentioned that your bike is your strength and, you know, Mm. in the past you've picked hilly courses to suit that strength. Mm. Do you think this course suited you or is it more because of that specific preparation that you did? No, I definitely think it suited me. It was a bit windy out, but I'm, I think because I'm very small, like I'm one meter 50, like I'm very small, I'm quite arrow as well. And because I don't, and I, I don't have a lot of like the wind obviously doesn't impact me as much uh, because I don't know how to say it in English. Like the wind just, yeah. Um, I have a smaller surface area, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so You're aerodynamic and you cut, cut through the air, low, low exactly. surface area. Yeah. And because of my gymnastics background, I'm quite flexible. So we can do quite an aggressive position um, and it doesn't really bother me. So, and I can hold it for a really long time. So that's what was really good. So we made, actually, we, ch- we changed my bike position before Lati, like two months before, to make it a much more aggressive um, aero position. So I think that helped me so much. And also, it, I think it is, it does suit my strength because it, yeah, th- it wasn't flat course. Like, honestly, there's like 750 meters of elevation and you had to constantly put watts um, to get through those hills and maintain your speed. And I think that's something I'm quite good at. Uh, but yeah, I think I don't, it wasn't a perfect bike course for me. I'm not sure, but it is, I think I've never done such a fast bike and compared to the pros, I'm really up there because I was basically alone the whole bike course. I mean, I wasn't alone. There was like 2000 people with me, but (laughs) no one, I wasn't in a group I basically, because my age group left one of the last eight, was one of the last age groups to leave. I had like so many people to overtake, but I stayed to like the left side of the right side of the road, if that makes sense. And I was yeah, just basically taking like a 90 kilometer peloton, basically. Yeah, just um, constantly passing people. Yeah, but not even like passing because I was just cycling to the left um, because I couldn't even come back to the right side of the road because there was no space hmm. <laughs> there were so many people I've never done a race like with so many people it was madness yeah well there's um, a lot of a lot of people where even obviously it was a one one loop bike course but that's interesting that yeah. being one of the last waves and one of the strongest cyclists you're just yeah just passing people all the way through yeah pretty much I don't think there was one anything where I had a clear road I mean on the race photos I got back I'm alone I'm like where I swear I don't remember any part of the bike course where I was alone but I don't know uh so that was really funny to get the photos back I'm like always alone I'm like I swear guys there were so many people (laughs) Um, but yeah a very a very different experience I'm also very happy to be in the pro field uh just to be able to have more of a race dynamic because this was basically a giant PT for me. Mm. And I think it sounds like from listening to that about the course and, and your strengths that you're obviously quite strong and you're very aerodynamic. Yeah. So that's a good combination. And that really suited this course, which is why you were able to ride pretty quickly. Um, yeah. You, you keep mentioning like those constant Watts. Do you, can you share your average Watts for, for this race Yeah. and what percentage yeah, yeah, of yeah. FTP that might've been? Just for interest so, sake. On the hills, I would pretty much push out 230 watts. Um, for reference, 47 kilos. So watt per kilo is quite interesting. 
and then in average uh watts was around 200 so 200 watts is about 4.3 watts per kilo for me yeah so that's a pretty pretty strong ride yeah i know i've talked i've talked to you know top male age groupers and that sort of four to 4.2 watts a kilo is going to have you riding quite a strong ride and sort of have you near the pointy end of of the male age group so i guess it'd be similar for female and you're yeah, you saw it on the higher end of that range. So that makes sense as to why you rode very strong. So yeah, that's very yeah, interesting. And exactly. And I that's why also hilly course suits me because of watts per kilo. I'm quite good. But obviously on a flat course, you need pure watts. Mm. So I think I have a lot of, I can do, I think I can do a lot more. Like when I came down from altitude and was riding here, I actually put out 210 watts for my session. So I kind of thought maybe on a really good day, I had 210, but I think I, it was a bit premature. I need more time. But I think um, what's exciting is I know I can do a lot more. And I think that's the whole outcome of Lati was like, this was a good race, but obviously it wasn't, it was far from perfect and I can do so much better. Um, so that was like, for me, the most exciting thing of Lati actually was like, I feel like I have so much more. Um, but yeah. It's going to be exciting to see now what you can do with being yeah. obviously and young a, biologically, but also relatively yeah. new to the sport as well and you know, yeah, already producing sure. some pretty good results and pretty good watts. So, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'll be, I'll be a, watching with interest for sure. I had a terrible swim. <laughs> Honestly, I was so gutted when I got out and my coach was like, you swam one, like one minute 40. I was like, no, I did not. I did not do that. <laughs> that what were you me. hoping or expecting to swim? What's more typical for you? Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was, I, when I tell you, I was like devastated. I was like, why did I do what happened? Honestly, what happened? Um, I don't know what happened. I had the best swim block, like the best two months of swimming I've ever had in the pool. I was swimming so well. I had like such good open water swims where I was like, easily swimming 130 like on a at the end of a training day for like 2k and then to swim this it's like I don't know what happened I don't know if it was like the sheer amount of people on the course that made you have to deviate and then do more distance but I don't really think that's it I don't know because I thought I was swimming well when I was swimming so yeah it was very surprising but then I talked to quite a few age groupers and everyone seemed a bit disappointed um I had like I know really good swimmers who swim like 116 and they were they swam like 121 122 and they were like oh I don't know what happened either so yeah I don't know because the the pros swam like really good times so I think it was I don't really know why maybe it's just a bad day to be honest maybe it was the waiting time because you know we left like and I left about an hour 45 minutes after the pros so the waiting was really long and the race got delayed 30 minutes for the women so I waited like two and hour like pretty much two and a half hours on the side just kind of waiting for my start so is that it maybe I don't know yeah it could be like I've been there countless times where I think I can swim a certain time and I get out of the water and I see my watch and I end up disappointed but there's obviously lots of things that go into it could be the 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 lake you were swimming in it could be could have been that it was slightly long Um, or as you said you might have just had a had a bad day so there's yeah, a, there's I'm, always many. I'm many going with I had a bad day. Yeah. Because the pro times are just, I don't know, 
their their coherence with what they usually swim so I don't think it was a long swim um I think the distance was accurate so I'm not going to use that as an excuse <laughs> but yeah anyways at least I'm like okay well that's five easy minutes <laughs> I can shed off my time another day <laughs> yeah well you brought up the um the training and some of your sessions so can you tell us a little bit more about the structure of your week in terms of how you how you do swim, bike and run, how you get the mix right um, and, you know, maybe go into a, you know, a typical training week and, and what that looks like and what sort of sessions you're doing across swim, bike, run. Yeah. Um, so what a training week looks like, there's uh, five swims, five swims every week and we do one, uh, one, one, one 5K swim, which is all about uh, power. So we use like pool boy and paddles to focus on like strength. So that would be like a 5K session, I don't know, with like 10, 10 by 400 with um, paddles. And then we will do like just with the elastic on your feet and just at the end of that session to really like finish your arms um, and just really focus on alignment. <clears throat> so that session is not really focused on speed, but just really strengthening your arms. Um, so I really like that session. That's probably my favorite session. I don't know. Uh, I really like swimming with paddles, but I don't. So we only use paddles once a week. And then we have another 4.5K session, which is all about speed. So I don't know, that'll be like 10 by 200 or a bit longer. So we'll do like, I don't know, 4 by 600 or 5 by 600, something like that, where we focus on like race pace or varying pace. So we'll do like 100, uh, like, I don't know, like, fast and then 100 race pace 100 fast 100 race pace but continuous for 600 meters so I really like those pay, like changing of pace sessions um that those are probably my favorite ones as well and then the rest of the week is more like technique easy swimming uh like just focusing on the movement and all of that but then obviously my coach like is the one who structures the whole week but it's pretty much the same every week so that mm -hmm. Monday will be like more of like an easy day where we just like maybe have like um, an hour bike ride or like two hour bike ride and then like an easy 3K like endurance swim. So um, we do try to like have swim sessions where we have like no material at all. We're just focusing on like the technique and yeah, not depending on, on any materials. So we won't use like, as I said, paddles, it's like once a week. And yeah, so we try to be really diligent with that. And then uh, what Tuesday, what do we do on Tuesday? I think Tuesday is a longer bike ride. Sorry, the block feels so far away now because I've had like two easy weeks. <laughs> so it feels like quite distant. But basically our key days are Wednesday and uh, Sunday. Sunday will be like the big day where we have like, I don't know, like a two and a half or three hour home trainer ride. And then we go outside for like and run so we'll do like a brick run for about one hour 15 minutes I think my last key session was three by 20 minutes race pace and I did it like progressive so the first one was a bit slower and then the last one was the fastest so that was quite hard um and we live in altitude as well so it's never easy like I really like the brick runs are I feel like are really representative of what I'm actually going to run in the pretty much what I did for the session was what I ran in Lati. So it's always, yeah. And then we'll, on Wednesday, we'll basically have like a similar day to Sunday, but the intensity is a bit higher. So basically 
on the run I'll do like eight by five minutes but instead of running at like four or five pace I'm running at 340 pace so it's a bit like higher intensity to not fall asleep at like tempo half pace because I find that if I only do like tempo pace then it's I just lose so much speed and like lose that top end um speed and I I like mixing it keeps it varied and then you've also you're doing some work much higher than your goal or intended race intensity as well yeah and I feel like it pushes my tempo a bit higher and it teaches me to run fast as well like run faster yeah. So you so, mentioned your paddle work, probably that strength endurance session being your favorite. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have a yeah. have a favorite bike or run session? So I love the I hate and love the high intensity run sessions. Obviously, when I look at it, I'm like, oh, that's gonna be so hard. But at the end, I always feel so good. Um, and then bike, uh yeah, I just like running. I like riding fast on my TT bike. I think that's why I enjoyed Lati so much. Because where we live, it's like a very like, you know, you're going up a a col, a pass for like 17K. So you're just riding uphill 17K. And I don't find that fun. I love riding just in my handlebars and just going full out. I just find it so much fun. So I think those sessions are actually my favorite where I'm just outside on my TT bike, just yeah enjoying having fun basically have you have you got a uh, memory of like a hardest session your hardest session you've done it might still be it might be like the run where it's mm-hmm. you love and hate it at the same time but do you have a memory of one um either like on the road or on session? the trainer that you did uh yeah I mean I don't think they're like crazy hard like I just do like I don't know eight by ten minutes just like race pace tt position but I don't that's not too hard it's just kind of long on the home trainer but it's not hard like it shouldn't be hard right because you're cycling that for over two hours um it's just like mentally hard <laughs> because the home trainer is always just it just 10 minutes indoors feels like 30 minutes outdoors um <laughs> so I feel like probably those sessions are the hardest for me can you tell us a little bit more about your bike setup like your fit your wheels your crank length what brand you're riding all those sorts of things yeah, so I'm riding with a Japanese brand called Shippo. I don't know if it, I don't think it's like that known. Um, yeah, but, I've heard of uh, Shippo, yep. Yeah, we really like it. The bikes are, because I'm small, it's one of the smallest TT bikes. So, which is also why I like chose that bike because it fits me. <laughs> so that's, I really like it. And it obviously it's like very, it's a very good mix between like, it's not too rigid. So going uphill and like, it's just really good. And then for the wheels, um, I have Swiss side wheels, so I'm sponsored by them. And but I actually bought my wheels before I was sponsored. But I had like six. I have it's sixty two at the front and eighty at the back, so I don't have a disc wheel. That's something I'm looking at for next year. But because I do focus on mainly like hilly triathlons, like I just don't. For now, I don't have a disc wheel. Um, crank length, very small. I have 155 and it's like, honestly, there's only one brand that does it. Um, so it's like Rotor, Rotor in English, yep. maybe. Yep. Um, so yeah, really like that. And then I have Asioma pedals for power. So the duo, not the uno. Uh, what else? Yeah. I have a tri, um, tri rig at the front for my, all my, 
uh, like my setup at the front, but I'm looking to change it next year to have like a more aggressive position even. So yeah, to, to, to be, I don't know. We'll see next year. <laughs> yeah. Okay. No worries. So that's the bike. We talked a lot about the swimming. You talked about those two yeah. key days on your Wednesday and Saturday. You talked a lot about the riding and your favorite session. So mm-hmm. um, do you always do that? Do you always do those two big bricks? And then do you have like your more typical long run? And yeah, how, how else do you make up to that um, yeah. that 70K per week that you mentioned? So on Wednesday, it's not we separate the high intensity sessions just because it's quite um, good for your body to be stimulated also at like separate times in the day. So I don't do the whole everything in the morning. So I just do like the bike session in the morning and then the run like further up in the afternoon. And that will typically... Look- those two sessions are around 20k uh so it's like quite big days and then the rest of the week I only have like one long-ish run which is like another an an hour 20 minutes and then the rest will be like 50 minutes uh 45 minutes like just easy running and then the long run I try to go like make them quite hilly Uh, I'm not focusing too much on distance just trying to focus on like the just the hilly aspect of it but yeah the main days are just those two days where I'm basically running like 20 I think the last one was 21 or even 22k so yeah it's quite a lot of running um and yeah the rest is just easy running so you're getting a lot of specificity in terms of duration but also intensity just out of those probably two key days and then sort of filling in with sort of easier volume in amongst that yeah yeah exactly Okay, before we move on to the race itself, have you got sort of three tips or lessons that you learned through this particular race preparation that could potentially help other age groupers? Yeah, I think like just the biggest thing is be specific. Um, As I was saying, like I was really specific in terms of my bike and run course because I chose, Lachi was hilly. I chose to run on hilly courses for my run pace. Like I didn't choose to run on a track. Um, And same with, the bike course just be really specific I knew this one was going to be a two-hour TT and I had to be in that position for two hours and never get out of it and that's pretty much what happened and if in this course if you got out of TT I think you lost a lot of time so yeah I was just got really really comfortable being in my TT position chose a comfortable aggressive TT position just to be able to maintain like as much speed as possible all the time and for my second tip I don't know, just be realistic with what you're going to do. Don't overtrain. Like, I think I, I see a lot of people doing like these crazy sessions. Um, when you look at my training, it just seems quite like, I don't know, just it doesn't seem like that impressive. I think like when I'm running, it's like I'm not running these crazy paces. I'm not. I, I think I'm just quite realistic. I know my heart rate. I know my zones. I know what I'm going to be able to do. So I think just be honest with yourself and be realistic. Don't overtrain. Don't like give yourself a goal but also like be realistic because you're going to be disappointed in the race if you're running like a lot slower than what you thought you could do um and I think training at like modest paces actually makes me like run a lot faster and train a lot faster than in a race like I'm someone who in a race I'm a lot faster than when I am in training and I think it's also because I I kind of hold back in training and I don't see training as a competition I'm not always trying to personal best I'm not 
always trying to put the best what's possible. I'm not trying to run as fast as possible every session. I'm just trying to, you know, do everything and stay consistent. And it also helps me like not ever feel tired or feel like I need a break. Um, pretty much like for two months, I was just training and not really needing, feeling like I needed to stop or do anything like that. So I think that's like the main two pieces of advice I would give. Yeah, it's good advice. And you definitely want it to be yeah. that way around where you're, as, as you said, more modest in your pacing when you're training um, yeah. and then being able to really show your fitness once you freshen up and, you, and you're ready to race. Exactly, That's definitely the way around you want it to be. Yeah, because I see a lot of, in French, you saw it like um, the world champions of training, you know, or those people who are like always on Strava trying to do or on online trying to like just showing you these impressive sessions where you're like oh like he's so good like how are they going to do that like how am I ever going to beat them whatever but and then I see my sessions who are like a lot more chill. like I give the best out of myself but um yeah I don't know they're just a lot more I just really follow the plan and don't really stress myself out and yeah I know on race day I can replicate exactly what I do in training so or if not better which has been the case this whole year. So I just kind of don't really stress myself out. And I think that's like quite a good way to see it. Yeah. And when you're racing, do you race, you obviously use power on the bike, mm-hmm. but do you, are you taking heart rate into consideration? And then the same question for the run, are you running to pace or are you running to feel or you're running to a heart rate? How do you manage that? So actually, so for the bike, yeah, I look at, heart rate I don't look at watts so the watts are interesting because I'm curious after to see Mm um more than during and then in the like I'm not stressing myself about watts I'm kind of looking at my heart rate looking at what like what's going on and actually this was like my lowest heart rate ride um so I was about 167 my max is 202 so for me it was actually quite low because I'm someone who rides at a very very high heart rate I think I've done a race where I'm like 175 so this for me was actually like quite a chill bike ride and mm-hmm. then but I couldn't do more in the day you know what I mean like sometimes you just can't get your heart rate up higher maybe it was because it was colder um I don't know but then uh on the run I decided not to take a watch I decided to have so I had my watch but it was on the back of my tri suit and the reason I had like I took it with me it was because I was interested in hindsight to see what my heart rate was um but I actually didn't really I didn't look at it I just run off feel because I I know I can push myself hard I don't need the watch telling me and also because it's a hilly course I didn't like want to be looking at my watch all the time to be looking at what am I running and just not stress myself I just knew that I could give myself I could give my all on the day and there was no need to, to keep constantly looking at my watch. Yeah. That's interesting. So heart rate and power on yeah. the bike and then main, mainly just by, by feel and having that confidence from your training that you can just push hard for the full 21 kilometers and obviously it worked yeah. out pretty well. Yeah. And I had my, my dad and my coach telling me the split, like telling me um, I was like, because I think I, when I got off the bike, I was second overall, um, but I really wanted to win <laughs> overall. Like I really, that was like my, my number one goal, even though I didn't really vocalize it. I wanted to win, like be the fastest in the amateurs. And 
um so when I was second I was like okay well now I'm gonna fight <laughs> and mm-hmm. after like that one loop around um uh the what's it called the stadium uh basically I was I like I already had cut up 40 seconds to her so I only had like 30 seconds back and I was like okay now I'm like hunting you know like I need to go and get everything and the second loop I was first so then I just knew I had to push myself to the very end because because of the rolling start you don't really know if you're first but maybe someone behind you is faster um so yeah so it was very very exciting and I I really got the most out of myself and I think my heart rate on the run was like 176 um so I definitely think I pushed myself hard for the 21k yeah well I was going to ask you about the race and you know the dynamics and whether you're racing against other people or just sticking to your numbers and obviously we started to get into that so can you maybe take us through a little race report you've you've touched on I guess elements of swim bike and run but do you want to maybe go through the day from start to finish what went well what didn't go well maybe include some of the key moments um, or key Mm -hmm. parts of the course both yeah so I obviously started with the swim that got delayed so I got to the um, bike park to like pump up my tires and stuff and then actually someone like stole my pump (laughs) while I was in the bike park so I didn't have it like I just I was like setting up my shoes and everything on the bike and like someone just stole my bike pump I was like okay this is a great start to the day (laughs) So I was like frantically looking around and knowing the bike park was closing. And just as they were supposed to announce it was closed, they actually announced due to the fog that my, the race was delayed 30 minutes. So I had like two and a half hours. I was like, okay, well, I'm fine. Um, Ended up finding my bike pump. Anyways, (laughs) the girl, I don't think did it on purpose, but whatever. And then, yeah, I got out and I just kind of waited really because I didn't want to start warming up too early um so yeah I kind of just waited around and then when I got out of the water um basically my coach told me I had like I was four minutes back so I was like okay I definitely had a terrible swim and uh so I had four minutes but I also knew that my bike was very strong so I didn't really worry about it too much I just kind of got on and I was like okay well now I'm just in my bubble and I'm just gonna have fun and just enjoy like riding on a closed road and yeah just really enjoy the ride um I I thought I saw the numbers straight away they were like really good I could hold a really good watch so my mindset was very positive I knew I was riding really fast like I think the first half of the course we kind of maybe had a bit of tailwind I was like over averaging over 43 kilometers per hour so I was like okay well this is I think this is pretty fast (laughs) Um, but also I had no idea what the girls in front were doing. I had no idea if they were riding as fast as me if or faster. So I did also let myself get like too positive. And at some point in the bike course, I thought I recognized some of the girls in my age group that I thought would be at the front in swimming. So I was like, okay, well, if I've already caught them up after 60K, then I have 30K to put time into them. So I think we're doing pretty good. But obviously you never know who you actually overtake. Um, and I also knew there was like faster categories, like the 25 to 29 category was pretty fast. So, yeah, I just kind of stayed focused on my race, the whole bike course, just like not getting a penalty um, because of the amount of people and like not crossing the center line. And yeah, just being really focused on just the amount of people on course. Honestly, the time went by so quickly. Like it was madness. I felt like I just took the bike and I was done in like 30 seconds. Like I just don't know where the time went. 
um I had a lot of fuel I think I had about like a hundred and yeah 100 grams of carbs per hour a bit more so fueling was really good uh water intake was really good obviously we had such good temperatures like it wasn't sunny at all it wasn't hot so that was really nice and then at the when I got off my bike into T2 I was first age group in my age group and then second overall um and so that's like the first time I actually got information like good information of like where I was in the race so I I knew on the bike I was on the run I was gonna have like a bit of time to catch up but also like I was very confident in my running uh left on the run and felt terrible uh you the run course in Lati was like four kilometers of uphill I actually felt terrible uh I was like I have no energy I'm like so like tired like maybe I overbiked even though my heart rate was low so I was like oh I don't think I overbiked I started getting into my head like being quite negative um and I quickly was like get out of this negative mindset you're gonna keep slowing down like just get out of it like who cares just do the best you can like you're here um you're gonna be so disappointed if you like slow down and just for no reason and I ended up taking like two gels in that four kilometer uphill just in case it was like actually starting to be like a bit of hypoglycemia but I don't think it was that because I had so much fuel and I had a gel right before getting on the run but I, I don't know maybe like the transition from being like two hours um, in TT position to upright and like running up a hill maybe it was a bit of a shock to the body and um, yeah I ended up feeling really good after like four kilometers I was like super pumped and stuff and I was like I felt like I was running really well and yeah I just had a lot of fun the course was so fun honestly I hate flat run courses um, like I just find them so boring and this one was so much fun like going up and down and up and down and like everything it was so different like it just went by so fast and the first loop I was like not feeling great but um the second loop it was just epic and I just really enjoyed the course and like the second 10k I don't even know where the time went I didn't even care anymore if I was first I was just running my all and just giving it my all and just yeah I was like okay well this is this is really fun and I just yeah I had such a good time and then I knew I won like maybe 1k out from the finish my brother actually came to tell me he was like you're fine just enjoy it now you have like a minute um on her so you're like just enjoy your your race and so the last 1k I was just like thinking about everything I had achieved and like the whole last year which I was on the sidelines watching everyone and just being like I wish that was me and it was just like really hard for me last year because I yeah I didn't I couldn't really do anything and it was like quite demoralizing um so this year being just that final 1k the emotions and just being like you did it and like oh this is such a nice way to finish my amateur um like career I guess and to like transition into the pro field now it just feels really right um so yeah it was like the emotions were crazy and just like crossing that finish line was so nice and I immediately just like rushed through the food tent just to see my parents and just like celebrate and it was just so nice um so yeah it was a great great moment like I was really really happy and proud of what I had done yeah, that's that's really cool, and it's uh, yeah. Thanks for sharing that and going through step by step, swim, bike, run, what went well, what didn't go well, because there's always those ups and downs through a race. But 
I think you said on both the bike and the second lap of the run that it all seemed like a bit of a blur. And I think that's yeah. always a good sign that obviously you're just um, in the zone and, and racing really well and, and racing your own race. And it's pretty clear that you you race, you were racing to win as opposed to just yeah. racing, you know, to to stick to your numbers. Like there's an element of that obviously to maximize your individual performance. But yeah, you wanted to win. You wanted to be the first in your age group and you wanted to to be the first age grouper overall, which you're able to do. So uh, it must be pretty surreal to sort of cross that line and um, be world champion. I assume uh, yeah. the the award ceremony was good fun as well. Like with your, you obviously, it sounds like you had a fair bit of support there with your family. Yeah, it was really, really fun. Yeah, so I had my brother and my dad. Um, so that was, it was such a good experience. And the award ceremony was the next day. And um, it was like these crazy Ironman prices, you know, to get in if you're like family. And we were so lucky because um, I'm quite good friends with, you know, Marjolaine. And uh, she, I don't know if you know her. She's like, a, she got seventh. She's like a French pro. And basically she, um, she had like VIP tickets. So we actually all ended up going to the VIP section. So I was like sitting next to like, there was Paula Finley, like Eric Langerstrom. There was like Laura Phillips. Uh, Kat Matthews like I was basically surrounded with all these people I was like oh this is very cool (laughs) oh that is cool Uh, you're already a pro yeah yeah it was really nice to like see everyone and be like oh that's so cool I'm like kind of entering a part of that world next year obviously like maybe a bit further down but yeah it was very very cool to like just see everyone everyone's so friendly Um, so I was very like thankful to her to inviting us into the her VIP section with her dad so we were all of us so I had a very very nice evening and like in the VIP section just like being like oh this is so cool because I'm entering this world it made me want to be part of their world even more um and that, yeah there was like performances uh and then obviously like the awards were really fun we got like this really cool um bike jersey that says like world champion which is very cool and yeah the trophies are like massive I was like how am I supposed to bring this back um but yeah it was yeah a very very good evening and just very cool to be like oh I'm going to be a part of this world and just kind of take that in as well yeah well speaking of that I was, I was going to ask you about that what do you think you need to do now is there anything you need to change you need to keep doing what you're doing is there a specific areas of of weakness or or areas that you're going to work on to continue to develop so that you can match it with you know Paula Finlay and Kat Matthews and Laura Phillip um, who you were <laughs> yeah, you know, so- sitting next to in the awards <laughs> Yeah, so obviously I think experience and just time. Um, I know I have so much more to give and I know I have so much more to improve on. Like I, I think obviously every, every aspect, like I think I can improve on all like swim, bike and run. Obviously swim for me is the biggest problem, which will make me, it, like if I, if I can swim a lot faster, then I can get out on a good bike group and I think I can be a good factor because I showed this year that I was always one of the strongest cyclists. I think in Aix-en-Provence, I had like the first bike time, um, even in front of the pros, which were Emma Pallant and Emilie Morier, who is a pro cyclist. So I think I proved that on the bike, I am like a contender. So I think what I need to do is just be a better swimmer and get out with the correct bike group. That would be like ideal. And then obviously like keep improving on the run and just like, yeah. But I think every swim bike and run needs to get better and I'm confident that it will just with time and more training and yeah just consistency really I think that's triathlon in general is being consistent over a number of years 
I'm having experience. And I actually joined um, now um, in the north of France and I'm just for a month joining a swim squad with a really, really good coach who coaches like French, the French national team and stuff and getting just as much advice as I can from him to improve my swimming. So yeah, my first session was yesterday. It was really, really good. Um, I'm going through times a week, so I'm hoping that will already help me with my winter training afterwards to know what I can focus on and how to get better. But yeah, I'm very, very motivated. So I'm putting like a lot of things in place to be where I want to be which is with those girls. Yeah, well, you sound very excited and very motivated, as you should be. So that's yeah. really cool to hear and listen to and appreciate you sharing your your journey, I guess, to the race, but also the race itself. And then a little bit mm-hmm. about what's next for you. Is, do you. is there anything else you'd like to share that's relevant to the conversation around this race and your, and your performance, or have we covered it all? I think we covered, like, everything, yeah. Yeah, cool. Well, one more question I want to ask, yeah. uh, just because I find it interesting. How do you go with your, you know, your coach being also being your partner or your partner also being your oh. coach? Has that always been the case? And how do you guys manage that dynamic so that you're getting the right mix of him obviously providing a program and coaching? Do you guys train together? Um, yeah, tell us a little bit like that. Because again, we're t- talking about, you know, Paula and Eric, they travel the world together yeah. and then Lucy Charles and her partner and Kat Matthews trains a lot with her husband and then obviously... Laura Phillip, coached by her husband. So are you going to be the next um, power couple in triathlon? <laughs> That'd be cool, wouldn't it? Uh, yeah, so I, it works really well. So how it happened was, well, he coaches and I didn't want him as a coach at first because I didn't really know how that balance and relationship would change. And um, it hasn't changed at all. I think we have such confidence in each other. Um, I trust what he's doing and I trust I what he's doing is working. And I think this year has just shown that. Oh, so um, uh, basically why I we chose that he would coach me was after my bike accident. I wanted someone who could see me every day. I didn't want someone who could, who pushed me too hard. And then I would have like back issues or, you know, like just to, he sees me every day. So he, if I had back pain, he could tell me like, okay, stop now. And I think as an athlete, it's so hard to actually say like, oh, I'm not doing this session or I need to stop. Like I am someone who, like if I'm doing a session, I'm not going to quit. Like I've never, I don't think I've ever really quit a session. So I think having someone outside being like, okay, no, like you now you need to stop. Like this is stupid. And just see me every day and not like, just give me what I need to progress, but also not give me too much. Um, and also someone who knows my background and know, like respects the fact that I'm, I'm only 23 and I haven't done triathlon for like years and years. So I'm also maybe not going to be doing 30 hours of volume and someone who sees a very long-term vision. Um, like I, I'm seeing like a lot of people surrounded that are my age doing like crazy, like 35 hours of volume. They're 23. They've been doing triathlon for such a little time. I'm like, I don't know how you're not going to get burnt out. Um, also like just to see like a very, yeah, just someone who has a long-term vision and the same vision as me and same belief in me as I do in myself. Um, and actually our relationship hasn't changed at all like I think we have like very good communication and I think that's the key Uh, he gives me a session I don't question it I just do it like I would any other coach Uh, so yeah just confidence and like trust and yeah I think those are basically like any other good relationship like trust and communication and for us it's worked very well Uh, so yeah yeah well that's great yeah we train um... together you do some training together as well? 
yeah I told him he like cycled time um he has like he he did the race as well and his time was like uh like his bike time was like just slightly faster than Taylor Taylor name I was like congrats you're the first bike time so I was like okay I need his bike skills to be able to ride like Taylor Nib <laughs> so, oh, well, yeah, so he, he's a pretty good athlete himself then obviously <laughs> yeah he did like 405 I think yeah so he actually was injured on the run for like five weeks so he didn't even know if he was going to finish the race so definitely like not the best race he could have done but yeah he's he's not like he's a very good so for me it's very much Ah, uh, very good and you guys do some training together yeah pretty much all of it i mean he's injured on the run now so i do all my running but he's on the bike he usually follows me for key sessions which is really nice as well and then uh yeah for cycling and swimming we do everything together oh that's very good well done it sounds like you guys yeah. manage it very well it can certainly be done badly and it can go badly either for the coach athlete relationship or the underlying relationship so yeah it sounds like yeah. so far you guys are doing really well and obviously it's yielding pretty good results um, for him but um, definitely for you so it's yeah I'm excited about the future so I think we yes, might leave that there we've covered everything about the race so I'll take yes. this moment to thank you for your time and thank you for sharing the details I certainly cool. enjoyed it and I'm sure others will too so all the best for the next chapter Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. My pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Diary of an Age Grouper podcast. If you have any questions, feedback, or ideas for future guests, please contact us via the Diary of an Age Grouper Instagram page. Alternatively, you can email info at jetcoaching.com.au. Don't forget to like, comment, share, and subscribe. This podcast was born to discuss all things age group triathlon. As an athlete, coach, and fan of the sport, I've always been intrigued with different approaches to training and how to optimize an individual's performance. We will speak to athletes who perform at a high level, as well as those with an interesting story. We will speak to coaches with a vast array of experience and also experts in various fields. We want to sift through what the physiology labs tell us, as well as what we see the pros doing and take the lessons that apply to us. This is the Diary of an Age Grouper.